episode 65 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In this week's episode, Robin and I are going to talk about visiting and calling your loved one. Typically, after a crisis happens, we ramp up those visits and those calls to crisis level interventions. And we tend to not be able or understand that when things stabilize, we can dial it down a little bit. So we're going to talk about that today and maybe give you some insight in how to evaluate the situation so you're not in overdrive 100% of the time. So stay tuned as we talk about how to adjust those visits as you navigate your caregiving journey. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, welcome back. It's Melissa and Robin here for another episode. And today, Robin and I want to talk to you about the mindset and approach around how to visit with your aging loved one who you're caring for. So, Robin, I don't know about you, but I see probably with myself and with my clients that as someone becomes more needy, whether emotionally or physically, that it seems like the pull to be there for them explodes. And all of a sudden you feel like you need to check in all the time, whether it's calls or visits. And, and it just seems at some point, maybe even after a crisis, like a crisis started it and you were really having to check in, but you don't know how to pull back. How do you gauge what's the best way to visit and check in with somebody while still keeping balance in your life and not getting totally sucked into an enmeshed dependent relationship or codependent relationship? Well, and I love what you said. And I think really you answered your own question of when there's a crisis, most, most likely you will check in much more. Because you have to, because you need to make sure that that's going, that's part of being the advocate and moving forward. So absolutely, that sort of runs the whole gamut of how often do I call? And even then, it may not be a call to your loved one. If they're in a facility, it might be a call to the facility, or it may be with a loved one. And if they're in the midst of a crisis, they may not feel like talking or be able to tell you what's going on. So you have to sort of look at, we go back to being that detective of looking at the whole picture of what does my loved one need me to do right now? And I think even a bigger question in all of this, Melissa, and this is what you love to talk about, is are we doing this for us or are we doing this for our loved one? Mm -hmm. And not only that, it also goes back to Am I doing this because I want the world to know I'm a good caregiver? Ooh, yeah. You know, yeah. They're paying attention so they know I've I've visited or I've called X amount of times this week. Yeah. So, um, but guess what? Nobody's counting. Right. <laughs> right. That is so true. And I think that the the crisis is what really shifts it into a whole nother gear. 
And I think sometimes we just get used to that and we don't reassess to see if it's still needed. Like our mindset goes to, oh, they need us at this level now. We don't really ever look back and say, oh, no, things things are better. I can I can pull back. And so it's about being mindful so that you don't set a habit and a pattern that drains you. If they're doing better, then you can maybe kind of ease up. Now it's not going, these aren't light switches, people. This is not like one day you're all in and one day you're all out, right? It's like you're turning up the volume up and down. And I think it's also being very aware of what's going on for them. For example, so if there's a crisis and you have to be more involved, it could be at those times their friends aren't I was going to say as interested or as able to jump in and help during the crisis. But when they're feeling better, they may be going back to their social circles that are giving them that engagement that they need. Therefore, you don't need to be as attached in those moments. I agree. And even shifting gears a little bit more, I recently worked with a family that they they know their mother's personality and they know that it's not always, um, she's not an easy person to deal with, just to be kind. And so we were talking about roles and different things of how that works. And I asked, who was the one that checked in the most? And they both sort of laughed and said, well, neither of us like to because you can't get her off the phone. Because my my comment was just a quick check-in and they said, oh, that's not possible. And they didn't really want to call her. They were doing it out of duty. And I think they were actually talking to me about, is is it biblical? Because we're leaving her behind and and we're supposed to be doing this. And I said, there's nothing biblical about this. And it's not doing anybody any good to call somebody, be angry about it and frustrated. Oh, no, I have to call my mom. And I have to listen to her for 15 minutes. And I that's 15 minutes, I could be folding laundry or spending time with my family, blah, blah, blah. So my suggestion to them at this point, mom was doing fine. They didn't want to call her. They didn't have to. There's nothing that says you have to call and check in. And so you could just sort of see the relief on their faces of, really, we don't have to do that. It's almost somebody giving you permission saying, she's difficult. You don't like to talk to her. Don't. You will step up when there's a crisis. And I truly believe that for these folks, they they do love their mother. They just don't want to talk to her. And I said, <laughs> there's nothing in the Bible that says we have to like our parents right. or, or anywhere else. So, you know, make the adjustments. Again, it goes back to every family is different. Mm-hmm. So make the adjustments that work for your family. Yeah. And I think what's also something to consider is to step back out of the role of caregiver and ask yourself, what was your relationship like and what were the expectations before you were in the caregiving role? Absolutely. And and have those expectations changed dramatically? And why? You know, it, it could be that they needed to. It could be that you wanted to. There could be all sorts of reasons And I'm not here to tell you what to choose and how to do it. I'm here to say, ask yourself why and ask yourself in that context, if, if it's necessary for it to have changed dramatically Um, and, and weigh it with what's beneficial for both of you. Absolutely. And I think 
that we we just so get caught up in we have to we should have and then we it leads to resentment and another point with this family that that I was thinking about and this goes back to our whole discussion Melissa of team building this lady has many neighbors and friends who keep an eye on her so they had built that team that somebody would contact them should there be a crisis. So again, there's no reason for them to call daily and do something they don't enjoy doing. So it, it is part of building your team. There's a safety element of we know somebody's going to call. Now, if they don't have that person around, then that's a whole different ball game. But you build your team, you get somebody who's going to contact you. That relieves a lot of your responsibility. And I don't think I can say, can you build your team enough? Build the team, right. build the team, build the team. <laughs> One of our taglines need to be the art of building a caregiving team. Absolutely. (laughs) Build it, build it, build it. To that, to your point, I do know families that they will visit their loved one in a facility setting more often than they normally would have or in a caregiving setting because they know that they have to be on the radar of the facility in order for their loved one not to fall through the cracks. And I, I get that. I mean, that honestly is... It's true, you know, in many cases is that um, the eyes on the situation get the attention and the squeaky wheel gets the the grease. Right. And um, we've we've both we've seen that play out over and over again. And we're in a very difficult season of the caregiving industry. And it's not it's not one easy solution, like switch to a better place or vet them this way or pay more for better care. There's no easy answer. So in some ways, yes, being more present as an advocate for your loved one can have better outcomes for them and their quality of care. And that's, that's, that's hard because we're, we're, we're advocating for a caregiver not to overdo it. And yet in those situations, they may feel like if I don't show up, then something's going to get fall through the cracks. So to your point, that's when you really have to have people you trust helping you out. That's when you can't take it all on yourself. And so it's, it's a difficult situation. Well, and Melissa, I think you're right. And I agree a hundred percent that you have to show up. The facility has to see your face or hear your voice. In this case, with COVID, if you can't go in, agree with that 100%. But what you do have control of is how long you're there. Mm-hmm. Friend of mine, her mother is in rehab right now. Mom doesn't feel good. And, and, and she's also declining in health. So when you visit, there's not much conversation. And so it's, hi, how are you? Pretty weather blah, blah, blah. What'd you have for lunch today? Move on. And you're done. Mm -hmm. 10, 15 minutes. Boom. And and honestly, they're probably ready for you to go because they're tired or whatever. So honor that. It's okay to stay 10 minutes. You don't have to stay an hour and a half to be seen, number one, or to be with your loved one and sit there and stare at them. That's not... Go ahead. I was just going to say, so do you think this is a reason, not the end all be all, but a reason to pick a facility that's nearby so that you can have shorter visits and it's easier and more convenient for you versus feeling like, oh, I had to drive so far out of my way to visit mom that I'm going to sit with her and spend quality time with her for like two hours on a Saturday. 
versus potentially if if you have if 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 all things all other things were equal, one was nearby, one was further away, would you say pick the one nearby? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's got to be convenient for you. And I hear lots of families as they're searching for facilities say, it has to be easy for me to pop over at lunchtime or right after work or things like that. So that is in consideration. Uh, The same family I'm talking about, it's interesting because mom is in a facility near her sibling and it is close and the sibling can do that. My friend is three hours away. Now, mom hasn't said anything, but the sibling wants her to show up. Mm-hmm. And is upset because she's not coming. Probably because so, the sibling's close and feels like it's her responsibility to check in more regularly. Right. So my friend says, you know, I can drive there in three hours. It's stupid to sit there for 15 minutes and drive back. Mm-hmm. And so my suggestion to her was, why don't you go either a Friday to a Saturday, Saturday to a Sunday, drive up there, visit mom for a little bit go back the next day and visit her, but then don't go back for a month. Mm -hmm. Because I think the sibling was wanting her to come in every weekend, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the sibling does not have boundaries because she is the one who will go in there and sit for hours and hours because she thinks she has to. Mm-hmm. And mom's mm-hmm. not communicating or, or connecting. So that's kind of how we got around the long distance thing with her and just said, then allow yourself to know that unless there's a crisis, you don't go back for three more weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of, and, and honestly, that's to please the sister, not to please the mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure with the sister there, on a regular basis, they are checking in with the care that is being received. 100%. And my friend also calls the nurse's station and talks to them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not as if this woman is being neglected, but the logic of driving three hours for a 15 minute visit is ridiculous. And those are conversations that families need to be aware of on when you're choosing a place is that did they choose that place because mom grew up in that area and the sister was right there and she wanted to stay near her friends and her sister? Well, guess what? It would be on them to visit more often than the caregiving daughter who's three hours away. So just a lot to be really mindful of. And so I think, again, beating our drums of building your team and being mindful, really those two things together make for a very enlightening and calming and empowering journey, right, Robin? 100%. Yes. Step back and look at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. This isn't tunnel vision at this time. So make it good. Make it a good journey. Yeah. Yeah. It won't be easy and it won't be out without emotion, but, but doing these things and giving yourself space can definitely make it so much better. And that's what we want for each and every one of you. So thanks for joining us and we will catch you again next week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the fire tribe is here to support you. Check us out at daughtersonfire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.